Welcome to Chasing Happiness podcast about life lessons and issues that impact our lives. Some of the best episodes are where we take an honest look at current events, discuss how they might affect you, all while being completely transparent in tone from host Ryan Dement who tells his stories with honesty combined with humor for your listening pleasure. Let's get to it, here is your host Ryan Dement. Hey everyone, Ryan Dement from Chasing Happiness. I hope you guys are having a great day. Today I have a very special guest on, Joe Fazzini. Joe and I go way back uh, to our days of uh, collections at Sally May, and Joe's been talking about coming on the podcast for some time now, and I wanted to bring him on. He has a phenomenal story that he wants to share with you guys. So Joe, welcome on the podcast. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for having me. Congratulations on your success. It's, uh, thank you, been, sir. Been a lot of fun to watch. I'll tell you, a lot of fun to watch. Congratulations. Thank you. So, could you tell the audience a little bit about who you are and you know yeah. where you're at in life? Yeah, I'm, uh, I would love to. Uh, let's see. I'll start with I'm 60, almost 64 years old. I'm, I would consider myself a master's at level athlete. I've been training physically uh for the things that i do now since 1977 i ran my first race in 1977 saw my first ironman event obviously i think that a lot of like a lot of people did on sports uh wide world of sports uh with the 1982 uh ironman and i said man I, i would love to do that someday and you know someday did happen eventually i became i did my first ironman at 57 um I'm married, been married for nearly 35 years to, to my wonderful bride, Sherry. I have two kids, Samantha, who's 31, who's about to have my first granddaughter. And Congratulations. Yeah, and my son, Joe, who's 29, and he's getting married in June. So we have a big summer coming our way. Awesome. Pretty, yeah, pretty happy about all that. So you are still in the collections world? I am. I've been uh, a lifelong, you know, I had true... My first paycheck when I was 25 years old in collections in the, in the call center business and, you know, 2022, still doing it. Uh, started coaching US, I, I'm a USA triathlon coach as well. I started coaching four years ago, uh, amateur athletes, getting them ready from short course sprint triathlons all the way to full Ironman events. So it's kind of like my side hustle. Uh, Brian. <laughs> yeah. I know that all too well. <laughs> yes, sir. I know you do. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So when you started talking to me about coming on and overcoming so many things you have in life, I mean, that's just inspirational one. And uh, it brought, you know, emotion to me because we all have these trials and tribulations we go through, but it's, it's how many times you get knocked down and then you get back up and you've gotten back up every single time. And that's true inspiration. And that's why you being on here is huge for me. One, I love the inspiration myself, but I think our listeners will love it too. So tell us a little bit about your journey in life and, and these things that have happened to you and how you've overcome them and share some ideas and thoughts that people can better themselves in their life, but also know that they're not alone when we're struggling with things like addiction or cancer or wanting to become an Ironman? Well, you know, I think we got to start all the way back at the beginning. I was, I mean, I'm 
from Chicago originally, south suburbs of Chicago. And, you know, as a young boy, I was raised in the tavern business. My dad was in the tavern business and we owned several, I would call them shot and beer clubs. You know, that was nothing fancy. You know, they were open to at four o'clock until four o'clock in the morning and opened back up at, at 6 a.m. So it was kind of like we served a very blue collar type of community uh, in the south suburbs of Chicago. And so it was nothing for me, you know, I, for, and God bless my parents. They did the best they could. I mean, I was raised by two alcoholic parents and, you know, so it was not really uncommon for me to come home from grade school, stock the coolers with some beer uh, for the day and for the evening and have a couple shot glasses of beer. So I was, you know, drinking with my parents as my mom was tending bar when I was in single digits. So I don't know if I was genetically predisposed to addiction, uh, but I certainly started at an early age without being aware that I was starting at an early age. Um, and, you know, once I hit high school, it was, it, was, it was game on for me. I was either going to a party or having a party. And, um, you know, long story short, I, I used every day until uh, the age of 24 from 16 to, to 24. And, you know, uh, and when I talk about addiction, I, I'm, I'm all encompassing. I'm not uh, just talking about, you know, alcohol or smoking a little dope or taking pills. I mean, it's all encompassing for me. So when I use the term clean, I mean, I'm abstinent from all mind and mood altering chemicals. So by the time I hit 24, I had pretty much exhausted myself both physically and emotionally and, and made a decision at that point. I, I like to call these moments of truth, Ryan, where, you know, you have to face the reality of life that you just can't do what you're doing anymore. Yeah. And yeah. And wherever they lie, I mean, at 24 years old, I realized uh, I can't do this anymore. But as a matter of fact, my, my clean date is March 13th, 1983. Oh, and congratulations. Yeah. And I just celebrated 39 years completely abstinent. So. so I don't I don't mean to be naive, but how do you celebrate those? I know there's there's coins after a period of time. But what would you do in this situation when you just celebrated 39 years? Well, you know, I. I got together with a group of, of of my friends and we celebrated i mean it was a dinner and and uh, i got my medallion and you know kind of talk a little bit about what the day was like it's still it's a daily reprieve for me you know i mean being completely clean i mean i'm not california clean where there's okay once in a while i'm doing something there's nothing i mean you know it, <laughs> you know what i'm saying i mean it's, it's just the model is complete abstinence and you know, and, and I try to bring hope and encouragement to a community uh, that it is possible. Long-term, you know, long-term clean time is possible. It's not something that, you know, you have to waver on as long as you're disciplined and you do the things you need to do on a daily basis. Hey, look, I'm the, I'm the guy that wakes up in my morning and I still make my bed every day, Ryan, because I believe in, I believe in discipline. I believe in regiment. I believe in if it worked yesterday, it's going to work today, you know. Um, so how do I celebrate that? I mean, you know, the, the good news is I wake up on March 14th and I'm already focused on how do I get to next year to get to 40. So it's not like I live in the past with this stuff. I just do what I need to do every day to stay clean. So the regimen, I mean, can you talk a little bit about that and, and how that helps you get over or not get over, but work with it uh, on a daily basis? Because some people have a problem with having a regimen and getting motivated and in finding that first step to take hold and move forward. Yeah. 
Well, I think here, here's the deal. You got to find your community. Where do you belong? I mean, when I was certainly, you know, out on the streets, you know, getting high and running, I mean, you, I had my group of people, you know, that none of us ever talked about at that point getting clean. I mean, we just, this is what we did every day. We did the hustle to find ways and means to get more. And when I saw all of a sudden, when you realize that this can't go on anymore, you have to find your community. And in the spirit of anonymity, I'll let people figure out what their own community is, right? You know what I mean? And, you know, once you, once you find your community and your tribe, you know, it's, it becomes a lot easier to have that support network built around you. You know, the group of people that want to do everything it takes to stay clean. And how did you find, how did you find that tribe? I mean, I think that's probably the, the biggest challenge most people have is how well, do you identify with a tribe? Well, I think once you realize that you can't go on the way you're going on anymore, you know, there's resources out there. There's, there's uh, phone lines, helplines, rehabilitation centers, uh, you know, lots of different solutions to a drug problem. And, and there's no one solution for anybody. I think that everybody needs to find out what their tribe is. And I found a group of people um, that wanted to stay clean no matter what, and that support network. Uh, and I'm still involved in every day. I mean, I'm in a 12 step program, Brian, just to, to give you that, that, and there's a lot of them out there, you know, from everything from celebrate to recovery to AA to NA, uh, and whatever floats the person's boat that they need to get to that community to save their own lives. I mean, I love the name of your podcast, chasing happiness. We're all responsible for our own happiness. Yes, and, we are. And, and I can't tell you how many times I've heard in my recovery period of 39 years that we are responsible for our own recovery. So, you know, there is no right, one right answer. I just know every day I, I spend my day in prayer. I wake up with a positive attitude knowing that, um, and you've known me a long time, Brian, I have no problem charging hard towards the things I want. Oh, I yes. Mean, <laughs> you know, I'm a hard Especially those collection but, goals. <laughs> yeah. I'm a hard charger. I have been since, you know, and the good news is once I got clean, I became, I, I had, you know, I found my path. I found my career in the call center business. Now I found my, my, my side hustle in the coaching business. I mean, we find our passions and our path. I mean, but the good news is I found a career that at one, I was actually good at and, and it brought personal satisfaction. And, you know, once I had started having a family, found a woman that actually could put up with me for a lifetime and started having a family, I realized that, you know, part of my, my, part of my purpose in life is to make sure my kids have, my wife have, what they need to be happy. I needed to provide that. Um, and so, you know, I woke up every day, put on my wingtips and went out and, and made a living. I mean, and as you know, I mean, working for companies like Sally May, I was, you know, you wake up every day and you managing 2000 people and you're responsible for a couple thousand people every day. It, it's a, it's a big hustle. It, it, it's a full-time gig and it takes six, seven days a week. And that's like, I tell people fondly, I took eight days a year off and that's only because they made, um, <laughs> you know, but I've got that, that type of personality, Ryan, where I'm just going to get up and go after it. Every day, you know, I totally I agree. Question. I mean, it, you know, it does. I, yeah. I think, I, I think the piece is, that I'm trying to get at is that people are not alone, but also at the same time as finding your tribe, you have to identify that. I, I totally agree. But I think the thing that I'm trying to get at is 
you're a hard charger. I'm a hard charger. We're kind of, we're worried wired that way. How do we, how do we reach out to those individuals that, Hey, they're looking for that tribe, not quite hardwired and want to make change. You're there. They've, they've hit that point. They want to make change, but quite nervous about making, you know, that step or getting that, I don't know how to describe it other than today in this life and this other world that is my other side hustle is we work in the affordable housing space. And when people come to us and they want to buy a house, no joke, seven out of 10 have really bad credit. And we have options for them free of charge through a nonprofit. All they have to do is show up and go through some uh, credit repair stuff. And I say credit repair, it should be credit counseling. And they can get help to get their credit on the right track to get them to become a homeowner and be able to get a mortgage. And at the end of that rainbow, there's a $10,000 free grant that they can get towards down payment assistance, closing costs, whatever they want to use it for towards their house, as long as they finish this program. And the majority of them, seven out of, so of those seven that have bad credit, four of them will show up and start the process and only right now it's one and a half. So let's call it two, two people will actually finish because they don't want to do the work. That's kind of where I'm at is they're in a bad spot. They know they're in a bad spot, but they don't want to push themselves. How do you, how does one overcome that? I mean, you are a hard charger. You got to a point where you're done. Does it only, does it take it? Are we only wired that way? So you have to get to that done point. Or is there something else out there that helps people get there? I, I think you've an, you answered your own question, and, and, and I'll try to bring some clarity to it, is that, you know, until you are absolutely at bottom, at bottom, there's no, you can't see up, you can't see down, you realize there's no way out, and you realize that you'll have to do some work even when you ask for help. Not, nothing in life comes easy. And for those people that can't get motivated, it's only because they haven't had enough pain yet. And I, speaking from my own personal experience, Ryan, until I was in so much pain that I seek answers outside of just trying to use my own willpower to stop using drugs. You know, I was 24 years old and I felt hopeless, but you have to feel that emptiness before you start to realize I'm the one that has to be responsible for my own recovery. I'm the one that has to be responsible for my own happiness. And I think when you talk about eight of the 10 people don't follow through, it's only because they just haven't had enough. I don't believe it's they're lazy. I don't believe that they don't have the drive. I believe that they just haven't had enough of there's no hope left. I've exhausted all my resources and I have to do step A, step B, step C to get to what I want and get to where I need to be. Do you, do you think also in there too, and this is some of the stuff I've heard from these individuals when I talk to them one-on-one is they feel like they can survive or function within this world that they're in today. And that's all they know. So they continue to do that. So is it, they continue to live in that, in that circle or that bubble, whatever that world, but that pain still hasn't reached a level. So until that pain comes into that world, that's when they hit the rock bottom. Yeah. I think it's when you tell somebody, finally, the only thing you need to change to get where you want to go is everything. And that's wow. a huge, that's, that's powerful. A huge, that's a huge hole to fill when they realize that they have to change everything. You know, when I made the decision that this is enough is enough, uh, I, I moved 
not far, but I moved. I changed my phone number. Anybody that wanted, the only people I ever talked to were people that wanted to be where I was at. And what I mean by that is people, like-minded people, my tribe that didn't want to take a drink, that didn't want to take a pill, didn't want to take a puff. They, they, I changed everything. And that gave me the footing and the foundation that I needed to move forward. I had to be at that point where everything around me was causing the chaos in my life, you know, because I didn't know at that point how to get out of the trouble I was in. And once I realized I started to change everything and hang around with the people that wanted to have better lives. Now, keep in mind, in 39 years, I've seen tens of thousands of people, tens of thousands of people try to have a better life and not be able to do it. It's, you know, sitting here today with 39 years clean, a cancer survivor and an Ironman, it's a very rare breed that actually get to do the things that I've done. And, and, I, and, I, and I'm not any more stubborn than the next person, Brian. I, I think, and, and nor am I that much luckier than anybody else. I think once you put your mind to it and realize that you have a responsibility to yourself to have a better life. Um, and I, once I realized I have to look inward, not blame outward, I could have blamed my parents early on for my disease, the disease of addiction. But once I realized that they were struggling to have a better life, just like I was when I got clean, they just didn't know how to do it. And trust me, when I was growing up, my dad was in many rehabilitation centers to try to get sober, and he couldn't. So I got to see it firsthand, you know, what alcohol per se, can do a person's life into a family. Brian, I would come home from school and there have been times my, my stuff was gone because they sold it. You know what wow. I mean? So it's wow. like, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was an interesting upbringing. But you know what? And I always think, I, I thank my parents for moments like that because I learned early on that you have to be resilient and you have to have a certain amount of self-reliance to make it through things. Um, and once I realized once I got clean, I realized I couldn't blame them any longer for my life. I had to take responsibility for it. So it's a process. So when you talk about these folks that are having a hard time getting through these, these 80 percenters that are having a hard time getting through to the next level and having the gifts that you're willing to provide to them, I certainly get it because I see it every day. I mean, yeah. and, we, we see, and, and Ryan, with our backgrounds in call centers, we see it every day. We see people one day get a bonus check and not show up ever again. Oh, yeah. We had that problem in Vegas plenty of times. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I'm with you. I feel it. And, yeah. And, uh, and, you know, the call center and the collection piece never goes away. It, it just seems to, uh, you know, it's in my blood and, it, and I deal with it on a daily basis. I'm still consulting, doing all that stuff. But it's amazing when individuals come to us in this capacity uh, because I have the nonprofit on the other side and I have to take my call center collections hat off and I have to kind of be more uh, down. I, I say down to earth, but it's less thinking about the finances and the numbers and be more on the, the human side. And yeah. that has been a huge transition for me, but it's over the years has helped me. And I've been able to relate to these individuals more, but I've also been able to share with them more of a journey that they can change their world and they can change how they interact with credit and finances, but it does have to start with them. And it has to start with them stepping forward and saying, Hey, I'm tired of being living. I'm tired of living paycheck to paycheck. I'm tired of renting all my life. 
and I'm tired of being broke and yeah. there's ways to make changes. And I started to learn, and this is why I wanted to bring you on is it's not just the financial piece. These individuals probably have most of the time. And when I say most, probably 60, 60 to 70% of the time have addiction issues. Yeah. They have, it's either alcohol or drugs or marijuana, something to that extent. And they're trying to hold down a job to be able to pay the bills, but also feed their addiction. And that's yeah. hard. Ter ter terribly hard. Ter yeah. We see, we saw it every day. And, and I think, you know, when we start talking about it, I think that's why, well, first of all, any type of, any type of mass production environments like we've been in, the biggest resource is the human resource. It's a people business. And we could talk about the finances and the machines and the technology, but at the end of the day, it's a human resource. It's a people business and we got to connect one-on-one. -on -one. And I think that's when we started talking about finding tribes, it's about that connection. You know, it's about that connection we make with people. It's like when I decided to get into triathlon as, as a hobby more than just running and you know, I found my tribe. I found a, a group of triathletes here in Indianapolis called Triloco that they wanted to compete. They wanted to do races. They wanted to hang out. They wanted to, to train together. And when I joined the Trilocos, I found my tribe of athletes of all ages from 18 to 80. We're out here still doing our thing, you know, and it's been a very, very strong part of my ongoing recovery. I mean, at, at 63, I'm still one of the older guys, but I'm not the oldest guy, you know, and it's, is like, there somebody, somebody's actually 80 years old in that group? Uh, late seventies. Yes, sir. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. And he's, and he's an iron man and, and he's doing the things on a daily basis that we need to do to maintain our mental, physical, and spiritual fitness. Cause you know, it's tri loco is, is, it's a great group. They're, they're strong competitors, but we're also friends. So, you know, it's, it's not just like finding my tribe to what I need to do to stay clean. It's finding my tribe and what I need to do to have my hobby. And they're the ones that have encouraged me. You know, I've been training since 1977, right? And so it wasn't hard for me to go out and get my USA triathlon credentials to become a, a coach. Um, and trust me, it'll never pay the light bills. It's something I do as a hobby. You know what I mean? But <laughs> you know what I mean? It's something. It's I a passion. To, You're passionate passion. about it. Amen. That, that is exactly what it is. And, you know, and how I really, to, to go back to that, why World of Sports I watched in 1982 to where when I crossed my first Ironman finish line when I was 57, I'm approaching 64 now, it's still, still training. You know, it just was a, you know, a, what, a 30-year dream of mine to become an Ironman because something clicked in my head when I saw that special on TV of Julie Moss falling down at, at, at the finish line and crossing the finish line, I realized that's something I want to do someday. But you know, what goes into becoming an Ironman, and we need to talk about cancer too today before we close, but I mean, when it came to becoming an Ironman, I realized that I had to train at least 600 hours in a 12-month period to become swim efficient, bike efficient, and run efficient enough to finish that type of event. Now that doesn't sound like a lot, 600 hours a year, but you're talking 15 to 20 hours for 52 weeks, every yeah. week. And, and so with some recovery time, I mean, my goal still is to, to train 340 days a year of the 365. 
So you're basically talking one and a half days off a month, you know, and yeah, it means you wake that's, up every day. That's serious. That's serious yeah, dedication. It's, well, it's yeah. Discipline, dedication, call it what you want. It's commitment. Uh, it's my passion. It's what makes me happy. It would keep, it's it. I believe it's what cured my cancer because, you know, in 2008, when I was diagnosed, I mean, I didn't fall into remission till 2000, God, was it 2016 is when I finally took my first scans and my first test where there was no cancer visible. So I fought for eight years with surgery, uh, radiation treatments, and eight years of chemical cocktails to try and beat this. And there were some very, very down days in there, Ryan, where you know, I'd get up in the morning and, and literally, you know, walking down three stairs to get to the kitchen was, was tough. And, you know, I looked, I would look down and sit down and have to take a, take a break. And I would try and run. And literally I can remember going out to try and get a run in with when I was in the middle of all these different cycles and, and pass out, I would literally wake up laying on the trail, dusting myself going, going, well, I guess, that was interesting, you know, and literally get up and do it again and keep trying to do it. It was 10 feet at a time at times, Ryan. So when people talk wow. about they can't do something, I just want to say, really? You know, I can remember when running 10 feet was an accomplishment because of some of the, the things that I experienced through in, those from 2008 to 2016. So we've we got to get to that because that's where we're really at is because we've talked about it. You and I are wired as hard chargers, type A personalities, and then you get these, you, you find individuals that are saying they can't do this. How, I mean, is it, is it, is it based upon, you know, our, our bodies, our minds, our souls? I, I don't know. I mean, this is, this is the, the journey I've been on is how do we help individuals that are not wired like us that can overcome? And that's, that's just basically taking a step forward and saying, I'm willing to do it and making that progress every single day. I don't know if it's, it's psychological. Is it, is it anatomy? I mean, this is, this is that journey I'm on. Yeah. Let me, let, I think it starts with one simple question, Ryan. And, and the question is simply this, if your life depended on it, would you do it? Amen. And, that's, and, that's a great, that's a great question, Joe. I'm going to save that one. So if yeah, you don't I mean, mind me saving it. No, I mean, it's like when you, when I woke up and I realized I couldn't do drugs one more day, if my life depended on it, would I did it, would I do it? And it was like when I was, when they called me and told me I had cancer. And my first response was denial. My second response is I want a second opinion. And, and my doctor's response to me was, uh, I wouldn't wait too long, he said, because this thing is literally going to wind up, wind up biting you in the ass if you do. And 30 days later, I was under the knife having surgery, having, you know, the tumors removed and my lymph nodes removed. And so I didn't wait too long. And, and, you know, but when your life depends on it and you start to realize that we are responsible for to answer that question, nobody can answer it for us, right? No one can answer it for your clients. No one can answer it for the addict who still suffers. No one can answer it for the cancer victim who's looking in the mirror going, what do I do? You know, if your life depended on it, would you do it? And that's, those are those moments of truth that we come, come against. We come up against and we bump up. We don't just bump up against them. We ram it. And if we don't, and, and if you can't answer, I'm willing to do whatever it takes 
then you're just not ready. And, and some people, no matter how hard you try to hide, to try to help them, Ryan, will never be able to answer that question in an affirmative manner, that they're willing to do whatever it takes. Yeah, and that's, that is unfortunately a lot of people that we try to help on the nonprofit side is, is that. And, and I, I, I do as much as I can, and then I have to let them go. I mean, one of our board members likes to say we have to meet them where they're at. Unfortunately, you can meet them where they're at, but you can't pull them out of that situation or that environment that they're in. They're the only ones that can pull themselves out. So we'll meet them there. We'll, we'll do as much as we can to give them as much information as possible. But like you said, if their life depends on it, will they actually do it? And unfortunately, 80% of them don't. I know. I can, I can attest to that. It's, it's very, it's sad and, um, it's uh, I, I've I at times have lost faith in humanity because it's like, you know, we're trying to do the right thing and help people get in a better place. But they're so the words that come to my mind are jaded because they they feel like there's something for us to gain, which there really isn't. I mean, we're, we're it's just all about help. And maybe from this podcast, we find a tribe that we can potentially introduce these people to or give them options because that today is not something we have on the table. Well, as, as far as there's, there's tons of resources out there for people that are struggling with alcoholism and addiction and, and they're free. Their dues are paid. They've earned their seat to these fellowships. They just need to be willing to go to that first, take that first step. Yes. When it comes to, when it comes to cancer, there's resources available. I happen to find, I believe the best, I mean, it, I'm, I'm down now in my recovery to one doctor. I only see one doctor, but when I was in the middle of the fight, I had a surgeon, I had a urologist, I had a radiation oncologist, I had a medical oncologist, I had radiation technicians, hundreds of nurses along the path of those eight years. And, and they all, that was my tribe. I had to put my life in their hands because I didn't, I, you obviously can't drink enough cranberry juice or enough orange juice or eat enough spinach to cure cancer when it's when it's body you know yeah. what I mean <laughs> yeah. so it's like yeah I had to I had to trust that I had found the right people and put my trust in those people now now Dr. Cook my my main doctor he was a godsend I believe I was supposed destined to meet him uh because we, we just couldn't I mean I switched doctors I mean again I was responsible for my own recovery I switched doctors once it came back after nine months you know I had my surgery I had a six good months of they couldn't it was non-detectable and then it came back so back then I took I went and saw my doctor grabbed my files said I'm going to see this specialist I went down to Indiana University and it's the same place Lance Armstrong went whether you're a Lance Armstrong fan or not I mean I, I figured if it was good enough for Lance Armstrong it's good enough for me I grabbed my file and I went down to Indiana University where Lance went for his cancer and uh you know, I found my tribe. I found my doctor. I found he brought me to my radiation oncologist. He brought in the medical oncologist. And I found my healthcare team that eventually over time we were able to beat this thing. But I was relentless. I never messed the treatment. I never messed the blood test. I never met anything. I mean, when when my life depended on it, I showed up for the game, right? You know, and that's what you need to do. And that's what your clients need to do. That's what people struggling with alcoholism or addiction need to do. 
You know, um, when I wanted to become an Ironman, I found my tribe, you know? And I, I think one thing we need to touch on before we leave that I think is, is very important to you and me, your clients, my clients, is that it's okay to hire a coach. It's okay Amen. Hire, <laughs> Amen. It's, it's okay to hire a coach when you don't know something. I didn't know how to do an Ironman. I knew how to run. I knew how to ride a bike. I knew how to swim a little bit. But when I hired a coach, I've had some great coaches in triathlon over the years. I've had some great coaches and sponsors when dealing with the disease addiction. I've had some great doctors when I didn't know how to cure myself that got me to the point. It's okay to, and there's coaching available that is free, just like what you're doing with your clients. There's, you work for a not-for-profit, nonprofit, and there's, there's resources available. There's coaching available. There's plenty of resources online. People don't want to go face to face because they're embarrassed. Yes. You know, I, I, there's so many resources that, that now with Zoom, you don't even have to see the people to, for, for this coaching, you know? Yeah. Just have uh, to sit down and talk and, and be willing to step up and say, I'm taking that first step forward. Here's, here's the key to, to coaching is vulnerability is you have to make yourself vulnerable and say, I don't know how to do this. Can you help me? And, and I think once you admit you need help, help becomes available. It, be, it becomes available. You have to have that admission that you need help. When I needed help, I wasn't afraid to ask for it. But I was at that point where my life depended on it. And I think that's where the crossroads, when people hit that crossroads, it's you go on to the bitter ends this way or say, I, I need to do this to change, to have a better life. Um, I think people become, once that vulnerability part, you accept it, it becomes so much easier then to accept the help that's available. You know, and that's, and that's when you start in, and you start moving forward and it's, it's huge. I mean, it's that, that first step, as we say. Yeah. Freedom isn't free. There's some, you have to work for it, you know, and, and when people understand that you have to put some effort in uh, and, and, and there are rewards with effort. And I think that's what people, once they start to see rewards, you know, whether if it's running a little farther, getting another day in remission or getting another day clean, you know, those are the rewards of it all. And uh, so when you, when you talk about what are the things that change people to get them to accept the help that's available, you know, I learned a long time ago, if you want to have self-esteem and it, with self-esteem, so many things bloom for your life, you know? If you want a better life and you do things, you know, mine starts off every day when I hit my feet, hit the floor, I make my bed. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's those little things that say, hey, I'm worth it, you know, and I, people, my, you know, my wife still asks me, I, you know, I make the bed every day. And it's like, it's just a habit I've had for 35, 36, 38 years that I just not going to break, you know, and I could be in a hotel room traveling, Brian, I'm making my bed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making my bed. If I'm sitting at the Sun Coast across from the office in Las Vegas, I made my bed. You know, I guarantee you that whoever came in to make up my room would go, this guy didn't even sleep here. But I've made my bed every morning and I still have that same habit. It's like it helps me feel good about me as I'm starting my day. And that, that's amazing. It's just those things that we do to get us to where we need to be and that routine and that. My, my two words are persistence and consistency. And if you could do both of those on a, on a daily basis, you're getting yourself in a better place as you step forward. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. It, but I, I think the, the key takeaways for today is one, you, you've got to have discipline. You've got to have persistence beats resistance, just like you said. If you're willing to look for the help that's, that's out there, you'll find it. Once you start asking for help, there are people out there that are raising their hand going, I will help you. I will help you. And, and they have, you know, in, this, in the spirit of anonymity, you know, that, you know, is the true definition of an, anonymity is willing to help people that you're never going to have the opportunity to meet. It's like today, we're going to post this podcast today and people are going to listen to it. And you and I are never going to have the opportunity to meet them personally. But yet, it hopefully can bring them a little bit of hope, a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of, yeah, you know what? I am responsible for taking the next step. My life does depend on it. I want to do this today for myself, for my family, for my kids. You know, and, and I think that's, if we can leave somebody with that thought that once you ask for help, help becomes available. It's amazing when you ask for it, what you can receive. It's amazing. So, and all you have to do is ask and be ready for that change. And it will happen. Yeah. And put in a little elbow grease and, and not a lot. I mean, you know, sometimes just a little bit of effort goes a real long way. And it sure life. does. It sure yeah. does. That's amazing. Joe, it's been inspirational. It's been, it's been wonderful to have you on. I am truly honored to have you on. And I, without saying, uh, going any further, I will definitely have you back because we could have some pretty cool conversations about life in general. And I think that would help a lot of people. Yeah, you know, in, in 63 years, I've learned a thing or th- thing or two, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 certainly managing thousands of people like we've had in the call center business, you get a, you get to learn a lot a lot about human nature, and and the ins and outs and what motivates different types of people, and di- even in different cities, as you know, you, some of the locations that you went in, they're different in Vegas than they are in New York. Oh yeah, know? and and regional regionality does play a play a role in, in in the help that's available but again i want to congratulate you on all your success it's been a pleasure to watch you flower and grow and and help people with what you're doing today and uh so thank you for having me thank you very much thank you sir that's very kind of you and i will talk to you here pretty soon great you have a great saturday thank you sir take care thank bye you bye bye thank you for listening to the chasing happiness podcast Please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank you.